your fear of the unknown And leave the planet you call home Leave all the thoughts you think you know It's time to let them go the stars and dip your toes in the valley of Mars celestial storm in my backyard and the universe explodes let's see how fast our hearts can go cause you and I could be that comet in the sky if we hold our breath take a leap everybody, this is Richard Sachs. I'm your host on Lost Arts Radio. Thanks for coming back and joining us again today. I appreciate it. Hope you're doing well and having a good week and whatever day of the week it is in the part of the world you're in. We have a, a show that's extremely relevant right now to what's going on in the world. There's so many things happening at once, but they're all tied together. Everything is related to everything else in some way. And one of the things that we're seeing if you've been paying attention, you've probably noticed you drive in a new car and so many things are wireless that used to be analog or mechanical. And that's true with all kinds of other devices. And there's just this general push to make everything wireless and put us on uh, Wi-Fi all the time as if it's a normal good thing. And all the Gs that are coming up, like we've already progressed through 1G, 2G, 3G, 4G, 5G is being promoted as a wonderful thing because, um, well, one of the big benefits is you can download unlimited numbers of movies faster than anybody could possibly watch them. And that's going to be incredible for our new society, especially if the regular world isn't worth looking at anymore. But anyway, um, has a lot of wonderful potential and the only problem is some of us have been talking about health effects and the first reaction of some people might be well it's already government approved and you can't see it and i don't feel it and things like that but there are some people that do feel it increasing numbers and they're called electrosensitive and um or emf sensitive and uh that term came from a predecessor term called screen sensitivity, which was coined by a great scientist named Ollie Johansson in Sweden. And he's a retired professor from the Karolinska Institute in the neurology department, um, department of neuroscience to be specific. And I thought it would be fantastic if he might have time in his schedule to talk to us for a little while and share direct insight into all he's learned about that field and its implications for our everyday life and what to do with it. So he said yes, fortunately for us, and he's here, and I really appreciate that. We'll go into more detail of what he's done, and uh, thank you for being here, Ollie. I really appreciate it very much. Well, it's a tremendous honor to have been asked to participate in your program, so thank you very much indeed. Sure. What I want to do 
uh, to start out is, as usual, we want to bring in everybody into the discussion uh, to follow along and know what we're talking about. So if it's okay with you, what I'd like to do is start back before you knew about this field and before you got involved with the school or any, anything like that, and how you, how you got to the point where that became your focus and how you got aware of the health effects, because when they present this field in the conventional scientific perspective, usually they just present it as a technical advance, and something must have happened that made you aware that there's a lot more to it and that it affects living organisms and where it went from there. So whatever you'd like to share about the buildup and the progression to where you are now, and then we'll get into more present developments. I started my studies to become a medical doctor at the Karolinska Institute in Stockholm, Sweden, and that was in 1973. And as you know, the Karolinska Institute is very famous worldwide because we are allowed to hand out the Nobel Prize in physiology or medicine to people that have done uh, extraordinary uh, discoveries in the field of medicine. And I uh, didn't know it, but I drew a very lucky card because I entered a research group at the department, which was um, actually the very most famous of all departments at the Karolinska Institute, namely the Department of Histology, uh, study of the various Uh, tissues of our body, including the nerve tissue. Mm -hmm. Uh, And um, I started out to investigate nerve cells in the brain, spinal cord, and the peripheral nervous system, and uh, their content of various uh, transmitter molecules, allowing them to communicate with each other and with other target cells like muscle cells in the body. And um, this is actually very important, as you will find out later on, because thanks to this department being so very famous, uh, and uh, um, we were able also to add on a lot of papers uh, in very um, sort of high fashion uh, journals like Science in the United States, Nature in UK, and many similar uh, top-notch journals. And we can collaborated with people that were Nobel Prize winners or to become Nobel Prize laureates. And this, um, I wouldn't say it was every day, but it became sort of an everyday uh, feeling. But then uh, at the end of the 1970s, I uh, heard rumors about, as you mentioned before, people with electrosensitivity, or as we say in Sweden, hypersensitivity, mm-hmm. and they documented the first cases in the United States and in Norway, and soon also this phenomenon spread all over the world um, uh, in parallel to the introduction of the newly um, uh, introduced personal computers, especially at all, uh, similar workplaces. And soon also in Sweden, the first cases in the beginning of the 1980s Arrived And one evening in the laboratory, uh, I uh, heard a program on the radio. And you see, I never listened to radio. Uh, it was just um, a coincidence. Someone had left the radio on in the laboratory, and I was just about to turn it off and go home when I heard a woman, Kajsa Vedin is her name, in Göteborg on the west coast of Sweden, uh, from the trade unions. She talked about... 
is a new uh, electro-hypersensitive people working in front of visual display units uh, in uh, personal computers. And she asked for expertise in the field of clinical neurology. And I'm not a clinical neurologist, but a neuroscientist. But I felt, wow, close enough. This mm-hmm. sounds very interesting. And so I contacted her. And this was in the beginning of the 1980s. And oddly enough, that's the reason why we talk today, because that was the start of the whole journey. And very soon, um, opposition grew. And I heard um, slandering comments behind my back that I was not a real scientist. I didn't know what I was doing and uh, things like this. Mm -hmm. But then I could quickly uh, refer to that I had a number of uh, publications in very prestigious journals, and I could ask these opponents how many papers they had in science, nature, neuroscience, brain research, and so on, and they didn't have anyone. So that was actually a very important basis for me to be able to tackle this very new area of interest. And um, we started then out to investigate people sensitivity actually first we met them for an sort of uh, introductory interview and uh, we had a group of four people uh, and they told us what was going on in their lives what had happened and how uh, they felt this uh, symptomatically and we had collected a group of i think it was 25 people from all different corners of medicine, dance, dentistry, uh, psychology, psychiatry, etc., physics, chemistry, uh, and uh, drawn upon the experiences we had, it was decided that uh, I should go home to Stockholm with my collaborators and in a double-blind fashion start to take cutaneous skin biopsies and look in the microscope. And to make a long story short, Uh, we were able then to document alterations uh, that uh, made this group of electrohypersensitive persons unique. They did not uh, sort of fit into classical uh, cutaneous disease categories, but they formed a unique um, group. And it was very easy in a double-blind fashion to actually pick them out compared to normal healthy volunteers. And Mm -hmm. we also had some um, dermatological diseases uh, also being biopsied and um, checked in the microscope. Uh, Let me interject one question at that point. Yes, um, how did these people, or how did you suspect that the electromagnetic radiation was the cause of their problems? Uh, how did you narrow that down prior well, to the tests? Yeah, I mean, actually, you know, in this specific test, that was not the assignment, but I mentioned that we sat down uh, in a completely e- electrosanitized environment. It was actually a hospital that was going to be torn down. Uh, hmm. So we were able to borrow some empty old spaces, office spaces. And as I said, we sat there with 25 people. And the physicist, uh, he had um, made sure that all the uh, fuses were taken away, all the electricity was uh, removed. 
And then we started with this meeting. There were four electrohypersensitive people. And then one of the women sitting at the far end corner of the room, um, she um, very soon started to get uh, red in the skin. She looked uh, looked uh, stressed. Uh, she was sweating. And after like 30 minutes, she said, oh, I'm very sorry. I know I shouldn't react in this electrosanitized environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to move to the other corner of the room, she said. Right. Did that. And uh, no one thought about it. I didn't think about it either. But the physicist, he excused himself and said he had needed to go to the bathroom. Uh-huh. Uh, so he went away and disappeared, came back after like five minutes, sat down. The meeting continued uh, for six hours. And during the following 30 minutes, this woman sort of calmed down. She looked very good again. She looked normal and she would uh, appear normal from a clinical point of view. And we continued the meeting at three o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, we said thank you so much to these four electrohypersensitive individuals. And they went away. Mm-hmm. And then when they had left the building, the uh, psychologist in the group cried out, and laughed loudly and said, ha, 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 did you see this stupid woman imagining that she was under the influence of electromagnetic fields in a completely electrosanitized building? And then the physicist said, well, um, I'm not so sure about that. You know, um, I excused myself to go to the bathroom, but I didn't. I went to the fuse box because I remember that one line of fuses I had forgotten and she sat directly under uh, that line of uh, electrical cables and uh, light tube installations. They were off uh, so they didn't um, provide any light but they were electrified Okay, and you know the silence in the room when he said this It was monumental, I could tell you. And it also pointed to that maybe some of the criticism at the time was because of um, prejudice. You know, some people say Mm -hmm. open Mm -hmm. fins carry knives, which they don't, and so on, you know. And Mm -hmm. um, uh, many people at that time, especially medical doctors, had learned from each other to tell the world that electrohypertivity only exists in the head of these people. There is nothing wrong with the electrical utility system or the computer screens or whatnot. But I say again, the monumental silence in that room uh, told us everything. And the psychologist, psychiatrist after this meeting reappear and they left this research group yeah there was no fun if it was going to be real i guess yeah exactly exactly one question about those lines that were left on yeah have you found that there's a difference in in the quality of radiation between lines that are electrified but not being used to power anything well, and ones is, that are uh, actively flowing yeah so to speak it, you know? it's a kind of a classical um, what you say, trick Mm -hmm. question for students. If you want to increase the exposure of magnetic fields in a room, what should you then do? And the answer is in physics, um, to turn everything off. Okay. 
so it made sense. And this physicist <laughs> in Vehamnerius uh, is his name. Um, he was so very um, composed, uh, very scientific, you know. Mm-hmm. And just by pointing out that, yes, this woman sat under exposure of magnetic fields, that doesn't prove that she reacted to them, but very well so could be the case. Right. And, and he turned everything really off uh, and removed the fuses so no electricity was flowing any longer. Uh, then, as I said, her whole body and appearance silenced and she became calm again. So there were no electric lights in, in the room or anything like that, right? Nothing like that, no. So, right. uh, and and uh, so she couldn't in any way judge that something was on and flowing or off, but still being electrified. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. So that means that for the people that are sensitive, and we'll get into this later, but mo- a lot of people think, well, all they have to do is turn off the Wi-Fi, and you're bringing up the dirty electricity issue, or it maybe maybe not yeah. even dirty, but any kind of yeah. field from current. It can be very coherent field. Yes, and indeed. It still be damaging, right? Yeah, and uh, various imbalances <laughs> in your utility system, uh, and uh, you have a lot of different uh, electromagnetic disturbances. So the easiest way to document that you have rid yourself of all exposures is, of course, to do measurements. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. sometimes the easiest way is actually to pay someone to do it because some of these measurements are not that easy and the equipment is not that cheap. But nowadays there are better and cheaper instruments. So if you have uh, a few hundred dollars, uh, you can buy yourself equipment. But of course, that might not even help you because being electro-hypersensitive, you will have to use yourself as the Mm. real instrument. Um, Yeah, because what matters is whether it's going to affect you. Yeah, exactly. No matter yeah. what the meter says, right? Yeah, exactly. And and uh, uh, very many, uh, both electricians and medical doctors, they want to do the electrosanitation, the removal of fields themselves. And then they tell people, well, now we have cleaned the environment. But anyone entering a room or an office or a home will realize, no, you have not. There is a lot of different signals in here, so you need to do a lot more. And, of course, an electro-hypersensitive person might react to it. And in Sweden, when you should do a professional um, electrosanitation of, like, a home, Mm -hmm. uh, the ideal way is actually to remove everything. And then you put the person in this completely empty space, yeah. And then you reintroduce like one light bulb. This is exactly what you do to test for food allergies. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what you would do. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and then you ask the person, and okay, if it's okay, you can re-enter something more, something more, you know. And, uh, of course, as in all the biomedicine, you have a very big interval between people being mildly electrohypersensitive and people that are severely sensitive. And it also brings up the fact or the question, just because they don't feel something, it doesn't prove there's no damage. No. Um, And there is a very famous study uh, by uh, Igor Belyaev and his co-workers. I think it's 
1995 already, where they exposed lymphocytes to uh, um, GSM, mobile telephony, what we would call the second generation. And to make a long story short, both the lymphocytes from normal healthy volunteers as lymphocytes from electro-hypersensitive persons reacted in exactly the same way, yeah. but only the electro-hypersensitive person would feel some um, symptoms, some subjective symptoms. The normal healthy volunteer wouldn't. That's and a huge that's issue. Ironic. Yeah, and that's ironic in a way because maybe, and, and I really don't mean this because to be electro-hypersensitive is not... Uh, winning anything, but they could be winning in the sense that they don't allow themselves to be mm -hmm. exposed for a long term and risking, for instance, neurological damage, cancer, and whatnot. Whereas yeah. normal healthy volunteers like myself, uh -huh. I will live my whole life in this soup of colossal exposures, not having any symptoms. Right. So yeah, and I, we have done a lot of studies on normal healthy volunteers pointing to exactly this as well. But it, it is doing damage even if you don't feel it. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing that it brings up is, you know, in some of these technicians that will come into your home and do the testing, like you say, they differentiate between the, the normal so-called non-dirty electric fields that are coming off every energized wire in your home versus those that have a, a non-coherent field. Yeah. And they have little devices to get rid of uh, dirty electricity, stetserizers and things like that. And what you're bringing up raises the question, after all the dirty electricity is gone, is it not still causing damage by the norm, so-called normal fields around any energized cables? Uh, indeed so. And uh, you need to really, as I say, measure in great detail and, of course, come back and ask the person uh, over and over and over again, is it all right now or not? And that's not an immediate sensation. Maybe they need to live in this apartment or house for weeks before they could even tell you. And uh, if you allow me, I will just address another experiment we did. Um, yeah. and this was uh, 1994 and 1995. And what we then did, because uh, then around uh, 10, 12 years had elapsed, and um, new things had appeared, and um, low-energy light bulbs being radiofrequent was one such thing in the society. And also, of course, cell phones had appeared on quite another scale than before. And both these gadgets were picked out by electrohypersensitive persons as being especially aggressive, very hard to be close to. And then I thought, wow, this is interesting because... A computer and a computer screen, especially at that time, it was very difficult to hide in a double-blind experiment. The mm. same with a light bulb. That could be difficult to really hide. But a cell phone in a black box mm. uh, that either was activated or being completely uh, devoid of any um, signals, that could be used. Uh, mm. So we took then... Uh, and made, as you said before, a class allergy test, actually. Uh, but this time we were looking for the electrohypersensitivity. And we started with 12 persons. 
out in the countryside, outside of a town called Linköping here in Sweden. Uh-huh. Uh, we were around two to three kilometers from the nearest electric in- installation of any sort. Um, and they were just going uh, to sit in an empty small hut just to feel uh, how it felt to be in this hut, sitting on the chair at the table. Nothing was there, no cell phone, nothing, nothing. Um, and out of the 12, actually uh, five persons said, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling well in here. There's something here. Uh, that uh, exposes me. So, no, I, I react to something. And, you know, I was a complete amateur at that time. So I thought, hmm, if you have a completely empty hut outside, a small, small house mm-hmm. outside of Linköping, more than two kilometers away from the closest electric installation, it must be something, imagination, up in their head, you know. So I told them that, sorry, you cannot be part of this experiment. If you react to nothing, no, that that is not true, of course. I said it in a more polite way, but that right, was that. Right, right, you know. right. So they went off and went away, and that was a huge mistake because in the next setup, these seven remaining they were allowed to use any kind of cell phone and test themselves in an open format. They put the cell phone in standby mode in front of them, one meter away, and just sat there and felt what is going to happen now. And they were allowed to um, use uh, any time interval. Some reacted after one minute and some after five minutes and the one that sort of was the slowest reactor used 15 minutes. Okay. Okay. With their unique cell phone um, that they really reacted to and they had learned their se- symptoms. Uh, the next step uh, was a double blind exposure experiment where, um, and in Sweden we call it the notorious publicus, a person from the municipality came to this test scene, and he was the one that um, with um, 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 some dice, a pair of dice, decided if it was going to be an active content with a cell phone in standby mode or a dummy weighing the same uh, amounts of grams as a cell phone with the same size and so on. Mm. And test persons were not allowed to touch this black bag or box, uh, but they should just feel what was going on. And um, uh, then he brought it into the room. And in the room, you had the test person as well as the uh, scientist overseeing all uh, the experiments. And the maximum time needed was doubled. So the person with 15 minutes were allowed 30 minutes to Mm. really be sure uh, to react to the content or not react to the content. And then it turned out the following. Of the seven persons, four didn't differ from pure chance. They were equally often right as they were wrong. Okay. Two persons, they said that 
regardless of the content, uh, they reacted. So even if the bag was empty, they claimed they were exposed. Sounds a little bit like the five I had thrown away in the beginning, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but every time, they were dead sure they were exposed. Um, and again, I felt that, hmm, strange. But I had started to learn a little bit from allergy work at the clinical hospital. And mm. uh, so I realized, hmm, if people say they react every time, there must be a confounder, some other factor doing something to the test situation. I will come back to this. The final person was the woman that actually owned the small house and lived there. Mm. And she was dead right. She was 100% right in every test. And between each test, one week elapsed. And then I came back and then another week and so on. So they could um, rest their bodies after the exposure test. Right. Uh, but every time she was completely right, both in the acute phase as well as in the prolonged phase, meaning that she could change her mind during the following 24 hours if she wanted to, but she didn't. Okay. And the odd thing with her was that in the beginning, she used all her time, uh, but after three, four times, the moment the person came in, through the door, she would say, no, it's empty, or yeah, now it's a phone in the black bag. Okay. And me being the double-blinded scientist, you know, I said to myself, there is no way she could react faster than an antenna connected to an oscilloscope. Uh, this is just not possible. But when the code was broken, it turned out that she had been completely right. Okay. And um, so that was extremely interesting. Going back to the two women that claimed that they were exposed regardless of the cell phone content or not, um, I brought a um, <clears throat> specialist on um, microwave um, measurements there, and he could measure in this house that there was a constant beam of microwaves and he said, looking at his different equipments, oscilloscopes, printers, and so on, he said there's only one thing in Sweden that expose people or gadgets like this. And this is a, a, a maneuvering beacon for high-speed aircrafts. And about 20 kilometers from this uh, house is the center for military aviation development in Sweden. A kind of radar? Is that what uh, you're talking about? It's much more sophisticated. Okay. Uh, if the pilot um, uh, faints in his aircraft, uh, it will still uh, be able to land it because wow. all these beacons will um, maneuver the aircraft and land it safely. That sounds like uh, what they want to do with 5G with the driver's exactly. cars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and uh, so and he says said that these beacons they're on twenty four seven, and this is exactly the signal here. And when the ladies said that they were exposed to something, they actually were. And you know, my hair stood up. I could tell you yeah. on my whole body. 
yeah. because I realized that the five persons I had said bye-bye to when they sat in a completely empty room uh-huh. or house, they were also exposed to something uh-huh. I didn't even think about because this is in Sweden a military secret. You are uh, not supposed... This, this beacon this that you're talking about, talking about, is that a is focus that a beam... beam? Or and, is it a, a field? Which, which uh, oh, I'm sorry. I don't know because I was an amateur, as I said, so I forgot to okay. ask about that. But, of course, I could find it out. But the funny thing is that the five plus the two, uh, they might have revealed a secret radio beaking for right. high-speed maneuvering military aircraft, you know. So. Yeah. So it was very, very fascinating. And, um, you know, I felt that this was what we call in science a pilot study. So I didn't think about that I should publish anything. Uh, I felt it was more of a work material category. And I went back to the Karolinska Institute in Stockholm. But the woman that lived there, she called me and said, when, when is the report coming? And I said, no, I'm, I don't plan to do any report, but we will apply for more money mm-hmm. and to repeat the study. We never got any money, I could tell you. We were never allowed to repeat it. But I wrote the report and published it in a series at the Karolinska Institute, only in Swedish. And that means that you just put it on a shelf and forget about it. Okay. When it was published, one week after Uh, a guy called me from BBC in the UK and said, mm-hmm. hey, are you the one that has, and so on. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to come to Sweden and make an interview. And so they did. And after that time in 1997, the phone has never stopped ringing. Yeah, yeah. And how they found out about the report and its content and understood it, I don't know. Right. You never asked them about that. I guess. No, I, you know, I was sort of in a constant shock phase in a way. Right. Because right. having been a neuroscientist, publishing papers in science and nature, no one had called me or my supervisor or anyone else. No one was interested. But suddenly, society uh, with mm. reporters, journalists, politicians, civil servants, industry, bankers and so on, they were so very, very interested. And for me, this, that was completely new. So you were you mostly, after that, focused on detailing what the mechanism of, of the uh, reaction was? Yeah, we, we tried to. But about that time, something happened. Uh, and uh, the funding quickly ran out. And we tried and tried and tried, but it was impossible to get any funding. And it's still very, very difficult. And I know you have a lot of questions, and I know I'm going to tell you, I don't know. And that's not because I'm uninterested. It's not because your questions are bad in any way. They're brilliant. But we just don't have the means to answer them. And for me, that's surprising because, as you know, um, the general view on this is that, no, this is completely safe. There are no right. issues at hand. 
and then it should be all right to give this Ole Johansson and other scientists like him the money because in science philosophy, um, there's a very basic idea that regardless of where you start, your journey will always end in the same point. Like in Rome, you say, all roads lead to Rome. So uh, Rome, in this case, is the truth of whatever yeah. you're looking for. And if the truth is that this is completely safe, I will show it. Right. So that's very odd. We are trying to do our best, but society says, no. Uh, we can study this, but not now and not you. Yeah, so, and when you say society, that's a little bit general. because It is, is general. Is, but is it really all of society that says no, that? No. Of course not. No, I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, many people really want to have the truth on the table. Uh, And, you know, being an academic scientist, um, I never believe anything beforehand. And we are like robots. Uh, We have a hypothesis, and the hypothesis is tested. Either it is proven to be right or to be wrong or needs to be modified. And then we build knowledge that way. Right. And I say again, if the end point is complete safety, I will prove it. Yeah. So it would be ideal for whoever is against this uh, to allow us to study it. But I shouldn't be so categorical. It's good, Richard, that you tell me, because also there are a lot of major players that have listened very carefully to me. And among them, you have, for instance, the World Health Organization, who has cancer classified both power frequent magnetic fields as well as radio frequency fields. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the radiation protection authorities who tells you it's safe, but uh, to really be on the safe side, you should uh, use it a short time, use hands-free and blah, 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 you know. So they're saying there's a difference between safe and really safe. Exactly. (laughs) And, you know, at least in Sweden, the word safe uh, is not to be used in a scale. Uh, There is nothing called safer in Sweden. Either it's safe or it is unsafe. Uh Uh, There is nothing in between. Uh, But uh, suddenly, as you see, uh, they want to sort of glide a little bit. But the real major players are, of course, the manufacturers and the operators who do not in any way take any form of responsibility for their gadgets. They are sold to you as completely safe, but they don't believe it themselves. And finally, there is single insurance or reinsurance company in the world that protects you from health hazards from these gadgets. They have all abandoned ship and many of them 20 to 25 years ago. And I remember a conference in London in 2002. It's nearly 20 years ago. And at this conference in London, representatives of Lloyd's UK, which is the largest insurance dealer in the world, and Korea, which is the largest reinsurance company, um, and a small company from Sweden called Ifskandi and so on, they were there, and they all said the following. For them, it was not the question whether all these radio frequency signals were safe or unsafe. They knew they were dangerous. The only question for them was, who is going to pay for all the demands in the future? 
from people having had their health wrecked by the radiation. And they said, we will not pay it. And of course, they are private companies. So they decide themselves what they want to insure or not. And they even presented a completely official, I think they call it a blacklist. And on it, you had health effects of electromagnetic fields. It was not covered. And all types of electromagnetic fields were included. They had gene-modified organisms like corn you eat. It's not covered in your health insurance. Mm-hmm. And nanotechnology, which is nowadays sold everywhere in um, makeup, sunscreen protection for children in clothes, in soil, water, everywhere you find nanotechnology. <laughs> uh, and it's completely uncovered in the policies of these insurance and reinsurance companies. And, you know, Richard, I could talk for months about test tubes, mice, rats, and so on. But in a way, it's much more telling that these big players, they abandoned ship so many years ago, you know. So they listened. Excuse me. They listened, you know. So they're they're thoroughly convinced and... They, I suspect they've done a lot of private testing that hasn't been published to that's prove to themselves. Yeah, that's I, a very I mean, good point. Because it, they would be very unintelligent to not do that. Yeah. And, and when people say, well, we're, we're complaining because, you know, the vaccines or the EMF generating devices or things, they haven't been tested. I think that's absurd. Yeah. These companies have so much money at stake and they're intelligent. And, of course, they want to know exactly the damage. Yeah, and, and, and I remember already in the mid-1980s, I was collaborating with a professor who later on sort of revealed his true self and became one of the harshest opponents to our research. But the odd thing was, while we were collaborating, I often went home with a very odd sort of... Um, feeling in my body that does he know the outcome of the experiment before we have even started it? Yeah. You know, it was often that sensation that he kind of oh, had to stop himself to mm-hmm. tell us what we we're going to find. Uh, and um, then I was a thought that, hmm, is he working for the industry and, um, behind some closed doors and they are of course doing a lot of experiments um, as did yeah. the militaries and so on you know i mean there are sectors of our society that we are not allowed to look That's at or right. do. i mean this, yeah. came, this came up for us during the ebola outbreak in west africa that turned out to be released from a lab where they created the ebola and it turned out later that per, probably by mistake they had declassified a little test they did in one of the agencies that showed that nano silver, you know, colloidal silver, but smaller particles, uh, totally wiped out that Ebola right away. Yeah, yeah. And they classified it again and, and kept that secret. Yeah. And people who offered to send silver to help those people were attacked and their bank yeah. accounts were taken and things like that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I mean, if, if, if I, could relive my life, probably choose to become like a crash dummy at 
Volvo car manufacturers or um, um, uh, or um, kamikaze pilot in Japan instead yeah. because my life has kind of offered me surprises of gigantic nature yeah. where you have realized that the world is rotten, not the entire world, right. but uh, what we call the people in power and people in wealth. Yeah. They have agendas that uh, are different from your and my agendas. And yeah. um, they stink sometimes, I must say, you know. I think that's what makes them so well camouflaged is that the majority of, of more what you would call normal people uh, can't imagine why anybody would be completely devoted to evil, yeah. you know, knowing that they're doing harm. Yeah. You know, for me, it has been several times uh, shocking revelations and the realizations that, as I say, there is so much more behind the curtain and um, it's driven, of course, by an enormous greed rather than human and animal and plant and bacterial needs. Uh, so uh-huh. the greed is, um, and, 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 and hunt for profit is really blinding people. I and, think that uh, definitely applies through many levels. And what really became interesting is when we found out at levels above that, it has nothing to do with money. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But But at the same time, you know, I I would like to say also that to every downside, there is an upside. Uh The number of persons like yourself, I have had the great honor to meet, talk to, communicate with, is just fantastic. And it has restored my belief in that the sort of core, spinal cord of the human mankind is good it's very very good i totally agree yeah yeah and and you know there are so fantastic people some unfortunately have had um to go because they were old from the beginning and they Mm -hmm. left life and they um, still leave sort of big poor marks on my heart actually and they try their very best you know and uh, it's so odd to feel that they tried tried and tried. I remember, for instance, once I was telephoned by a lady who said that she represented another lady, um, and this other lady wanted to send 100 U.S. dollars to our research. Uh-huh. And, and I was very honored and said, wow, I, I want to call her, you know, and sure. thank her myself. Well, she said, um, you cannot, yeah, because... Um, she had her funeral just a few weeks ago. Wow. And she's, she has left us. Just a and little bit too late. Yeah, and, and you know, you felt really that, wow, <laughs> that yeah. woman did what the government and parliament was supposed to do, right. namely support independent, important research. Yeah. And, of course, $100, that is not any fund or anything like that, any grant, but... It's a drop in an ocean. But the intent and the energy that it represents is unlimited. Yeah, Yeah. and she's etched out from from the other side of the grave, you know. I mean, I was was rocked, and I'm still rocked when I think about it, and it's many, many years ago. Right. And And I could give you other stories like that, you know. Well, and you're proving it, you know, what you said about 
these difficult things, giving us the opportunity to meet great people and, and see the, be- the good side of humanity. That's why we get to meet you. I mean, it's the same thing. Exactly. And, and we're finding that that is a, a positive side effect of the horrible things that are happening. Yeah. We find uh, out about each other. Yeah. But still, I am tempted to become a crash dummy at Volvo car manufacturers. Still, Do you think you could really make a great contribution <laughs> that way? Well, at least once. <laughs> <laughs> it's more realistic than the other dummies, I guess. Right? <laughs> They'd have to pay a lot to find somebody. Like oh, that. yeah. Yeah. So uh, one of the questions that, that comes up is, um, well, two, two together, I guess. Everybody's being affected, as your experiments proved, whether they're sensitive or not. I think that's really important because the sensitive people take action because they're uncomfortable. The vast majority of the population doesn't, or their discomfort is diagnosed as something different, which is usually, that's what the medical profession is trained to do, is is say, well, no, this has nothing to do with it. Nothing's connected to anything, and everything is just random chance, you know, which is the opposite of, what's true yeah. but but the issue where the biggest damage is happening is not the sensitive people those of us who can feel it it's everybody else which is the vast majority and you're not going to be able to do experiments with them to find out what they feel because they're not feeling it well but at the same time you know they could form a very interesting Uh, what we call a control group, although they actually form an entity on their own. And if I may go back to 1995 again, we actually started to um, plan a study where we exposed students, normal healthy volunteers, Mm -hmm. um, from the radiation of ordinary household television sets and ordinary computer screens. They were placed uh, 40 centimeters away from the back of these people. Mm-hmm. And before they were exposed, we took skin biopsies mm-hmm. during also at every second hour. And they were exposed for eight hours, like an ordinary working day. Okay. And then we also took biopsies uh, 24 hours later on. And during that period, they were not allowed to expose them any further. And um, uh, to make a long story short, we asked these Students, uh, they sat there dressed down to the waist, exposing the skin on their back. And we asked them to report all subjective feelings. Uh, Did they feel some heat or was it itching or was it some pricking pain or whatever? And no one, no one reported anything uh, apart from a few of them said it was a little bit boring to sit with their back to these computer and television sets for eight hours. Right, right. Uh, they were allowed to read, but that was it. Yeah. And, but then, you know, everything was blind-coded. When we looked in the microscope for changes in so-called mast cells, and they have nothing to do with silicone mast. They have a German-inspired name, mast cellen, meaning that they are a little bit thick, big cells. Mm-hmm. And they are the key cells for the clinical entities of allergies and asthma and other types of oversensitivities. They contain molecules such as histamine, chymase, uh, tryptase, 
and heparin and so on. And they are the sort of common uh, pathway when you get an allergic reaction. Um, and we had seen before that electrohypersensitive people had an abnormal increase of such cells in the skin. Then we started to look on the normal healthy volunteers. No one reacted. Everyone was fine. Some were bored. But when we looked in the skin, it turned out, uh, and I think it was like half of them or a third, I don't recall exactly now, um, they had changes in their skin as if they had been exposed to uranium or plutonium or radium for a few seconds or x-rays for a minute or two or strong ultraviolet for like 15, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. But we hadn't. We had only exposed them to the fields and rays from household television and computer screens. No reaction uh, at the subjective level but they had still a dramatic increase as if these cells were exposed to ionizing radiation. And they were not. They just reacted to the non-ionizing radiation. And again, pointing to that, exactly as you say, everyone walking around in this colossal exposure soup that we have nowadays, which Mm. we call the modern society, most likely have reactions at the cellular level, which they are not at all aware of. But at the same time, as you know, here in Sweden, nowadays, more than one third of the population of the adult population has some kind of asthma, allergy, or other type of sensitivity. When I was a kid in the 1950s, uh, the corresponding figure in Sweden was less than 0.5%. And that's not even looking at skin cancer, too, right? No, no, exactly. Now we're just talking about allergies, asthmas, and oversensitivities. And it's just an explosion. I've read uh, that in the United States, they have the same very dramatic increase of allergies and asthmas, especially in kids. Mm-hmm. And in children here in Sweden, uh, they have surpassed the so-called 50% uh, barrier, so more than half of the number of children are allergic, asthmatic, or other types of oversensitivities. And here I sit and cannot do anything. We have the data pointing to that the pretty weak electromagnetic fields from uh, computer screens uh, at 40 centimeters distance or ordinary household television sets Mm -hmm. can dramatically increase the number. Uh, But, so the no people one. in charge don't want to know because no, no. we have a, a partnership between government and corporations, yeah, uh, aka and, and fascism. Could, yeah, I mean that could be an understandable partnership if there were products that were safe, right? But it becomes yeah. a very, very strange partnership when obviously scientists, as myself, excellent journalists and reporters, as you. And many lay persons out there, as well as the uh, telecom providers, the insurance industry and so on, no one seems to believe it's safe. So right. why not put the cards on the table? Uh, the same question is what you come to in so many different fields. They all lead back to control by people in most of the power positions in government agencies and corporations coming from or under the direction of 
negative intent. Yeah. And, you know, there was a very odd spin-off effect of this study because, you know, when you have done a study, you sit down for months and write the manuscript. Right. Eventually you feel that, wow, now it's ready. We send it to scientific journals and we got it returned every time, rejected and mm. with different um, explanations. But one person, he was very, very nice and wrote a pretty long letter to me and said, wow, this was so interesting. And uh, he realized that um, we had studied strongly psychiatric patients and they were so sort of nutty. So they even had reactions in their skin. And, you know, I'm a Swede. I don't have English as a native language, but we had written normal, healthy volunteers. But he read strongly psychotic patients and he was an American. And he said that we should instead send this excellent study to a much better journal, namely the American Journal of Psychiatry. Mm. <laughs> and, of course, we didn't. Uh, but I felt again, what kind of glasses do he, does he put on? Yeah, um, is question. it again that every Finn carries a knife? Every African is a thief? Every gypsy is the same and so on. No, these are just prejudices, you know. Right. And what's going on, you know. And uh, I was really shocked. And then eventually we sent it to the Journal of Cutaneous Pathology in the United States. And they just said, wow, we have to publish this immediately. Yeah. But that journey took six years. So that's maybe the most delayed manuscript in human history uh, and we were sending it and getting it back and sending it and getting it back you know mm -hmm. and of course all the good comments we uh, in, introduced into the manuscript but it was very often that no you know um, computers and televisions they are dead objects uh, humans are live objects and dead objects cannot do anything to uh, live objects. So mm -hmm. you have made something wrong here. The science so, is settled, right? It's yeah, the science is settled, at least in their heads, you know. Yeah. And these are, these are the editors and the editorial referee boards of high-profile scientific journals. Well, you know what they're teaching in universities now is yeah. that if something comes from an acceptable authority, it's unquestionably true. You can use it as a reference that proves that what you're saying is right. Yeah. But I would say the opposite. Be careful, you know, be right. careful. What your study suggests as a next step is correlation between exposure and every single disease or even yeah. psychiatric condition. Yeah. Although, although those are more difficult because they just decide those arbitrarily. They don't have tests for them. No, exactly. But, but you correlation, but the, the problem with that, that I would imagine is where are you going to get a control group? You need people that have no exposure. Exactly. And that's the real difficult uh, thing, you know, and, all what you say now, we wanted to do. Uh, but at that year, when it was published, the year 2000, mm -hmm. uh, 2001 even, sorry, um, that was kind of the end of the research funding. 
Uh, so we stacked all these very good projects on our shelves and began actually doing other things in science. Very important, I hope, too, yeah. but not really with my heart engaged in the same way. But we had to just survive to get funding from sure. other sources and do completely other investigations. So you tried pretty diligently to find some funding source, right? Yeah. And yeah. They, all, they all said no. Yeah. So. That says a lot. Yeah. So, so, I mean, what I learned was that um, we don't know all the details uh, and definitely not what is safe and unsafe but it's definitely very dangerous for myself to try to investigate these issues. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. And, and if you had the money to do a study where you compared EMF radiation exposure to each separate disease, you know, because the regular non-control group, I, I guess you call that the test group, the data is there because that's what they think everybody is in it's yeah. normal and and you had an offer of money that said look you can do this study if you can figure out where to find a control group yeah what, what do you think where would you look well i mean i might disappoint you now richard but uh, um maybe i would wait with that very interesting study because i think there are other groups that much much severe jeopardy, namely animals, plants, and bacteria. There are already a number of papers that are extremely important. I will just mention one study, uh, and that is in a series of replications. So many other scientists have done similar investigations. And I'm thinking about the study from 2017 by Tahirian co-workers who investigated ordinary bacteria, bacteria that you and I have on us and in us right now. Yeah. And they exposed them to the second generation mobile telephony or super modern Wi-Fi router radiation. And to make a long story short, these bacteria, not much happened apart from one thing. Namely, they became antibiotic resistant. The very same year, completely independently of Tahirian huh. co-workers, the G20 countries had a separate meeting in Europe only about the fact that more than 25,000 Europeans at that time died prematurely in healthcare in Europe only. And it was said that by 2050, worldwide, more than 10 million people will die from antibiotic resistance in healthcare. And if you combine Tahiri's results and the G20 discussion, they didn't know about each other at all. But if you combine them, the 10 million people in 2050 could easily be 7.6 billion human beings, you know. Right. Uh, and uh, when um, the World Health Organization recently, in this corona crisis, uh, they were asked, mm -hmm. what is the future most dramatic event that could take place in healthcare, they immediately said the biggest, biggest, biggest risk is biotic resistance. I think within their paradigm of understanding health and disease, they're right. Yeah. You know, they, they're not looking at natural ways that people could develop the 
health level where they never need antibiotics anyway. Exactly. I agree to 100% with you. But as you say, within that paradigm, that World Health Organization, the yeah. medical healthcare and the medical profession, uh, the pharmaceutical industry and so on, right. we might be heading towards a collision with reality. Yeah. And, yeah. and um, so I would probably spend the money on them and also finally uh, I would definitely investigate plants and also pollen insects. Uh, there are some extremely interesting studies. We have done a few studies with uh, um, among many, Daniel Fabri in, in Switzerland, uh, and we have a very nice and interesting results, but we would like to pursue it. Again, I sit here waiting for the big lottery win or whatever, you know. Right, right. Yeah, and, and, but in the meantime, the reality doesn't wait. Uh, no, every it's progressing faster and second, faster. everything is exposed, and at colossal levels, you know, uh, compared yeah. to natural background, we are talking about a quintillion times higher exposure levels or more, and and on different type also. It's yeah. not just a quantitative difference. Yeah, no, um, completely. Uh, different type of pulse so, modulated and so on, you know, yes. Well, I have a question about this dirty electricity concept. And what I understand is that there is a particular type of field given off by wires that are considered not dirty electricity. It's still a very strong electromagnetic field and probably very damaging. But there's an idea that superimposed on the frequency that's considered clean is another one that's got spikes and is just not coherent. And they're trying to eliminate that as a health risk, which it probably does increase the health risk to have all kinds of spikes coming out, things like that. But, but the point would be that I think a lot of them divert from is that you could make it what people would call totally clean energy, a coherent wave of, you know, frequency measurement, and it could still be extremely damaging. Yeah. And if, if that, if that's correct, which it probably is, then um, if you wanted to make a completely healthy environment for humans, you wouldn't use any of the currently generated electricity, Right. Well, if you would use it, you would have to use it in such a shielded format. Uh, yeah, so exactly. Expose cells and molecules and uh, animals and human beings and so on. Uh, but of course, for some of these, uh, especially extremely low frequency fields, it's very difficult to shield them off. So maybe we need to look for other ways to transport energy to our houses and workplaces and whatnot. Exactly. Maybe a completely different class of frequencies. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you started the whole interview by talking about Wi-Fi inside cars. Yeah. And in Japan, there is already cars you can buy where you can switch off all the Wi-Fi inside of the car because they are health-conscious consumers. Some of them say no. I don't want my family to be exposed to this. I want to be able wow. to turn it off. Damn. And they have a simple switch to just neutralize all so this. So do you think that turns off all of it, or are there certain transmitters that say your tire is low or something like that that um, are not included? That's, 
Yeah, I mean, you are reading me like an open book, you know. Actually, you should be sitting on this side <laughs> of the computer screen and do the research. No, I'm just excited exactly to have somebody who can talk yeah. about this stuff. Yeah, that's exactly the point. You know, I would like to have one of these cars and do measurements with. Yeah. And we, have, um, we have some very advanced uh, equipment to do measurements with to really see is everything gone? Or is just some of it gone? Is it or? just to pacify people and say, yeah, exactly. no, yeah. n- no Bluetooth. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like, it's like a food item that says yeah. on it, ingredients, no arsenic in this food. Yeah. And it's full of aluminum yeah. or something like and, that. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I love when I read things like contains no sugar. Yeah. And then turn it over and realize, yeah, but a lot of cancerogenic substances. Right, are it's 98% corn syrup yeah. or something. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. World, I said it. I said it before, you know, this world, it's based on greed. And if uh, mankind could just wake up and realize we need to be doing things differently, and uh, that could in itself generate the huge profit for alternative companies, of course. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Uh, right now, the problem is people for a paycheck or for corporate profit are willing to kill everybody as long as yeah. it's profitable. And yeah. as long as the penalties legally are less than the profit, then yeah. it's considered sound. I mean, I heard rumors that the current coronavirus manufacturers have been exempt from any, uh, or oh, how do you say in English, um, you, you cannot... Um, and bring them to court. You're talking uh, about the people who make the vaccines. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. true. They have special yeah. oh. immunity. Oh, oh, oh. And I just heard rumors here in Sweden. I hardly could believe them. But now when you tell me, I realize it is true. That's enough. been true of all the other deadly vaccines up to now. And none don't of them care. have ever... Don't tell me this. I, I was I'm living sorry. in happy life. <laughs> I was living in happy life. No, don't tell me this. No. Yeah, my fault. We had, you know, some of the people in positions of major power and decision-making positions, like, you know, they have good motives, but they're not really educated. They've just gone to conventional school. Uh, yeah, yeah. We had one named Ronald Reagan that yeah, I, I was able to meet in the 60s when I was a university student. He was giving a talk, and my impression was he's a really good man. And he was saying a lot of things like, you know, government is the major problem and, you know, a lot of good things. But he signed legislation that took away all the liability from all the vaccine makers for oh. anybody that if they damaged or killed your family, yeah. that was just unfortunate. And yeah. even if it killed everybody, it was so rare yeah. that it wasn't a, an issue. And And the circular reasoning was that if the medicine kills everybody having liability would be counterproductive because that would stop people from making this critical medicine that was killing everybody because it was so important and and he believed it and so did congress well i i lack the proper words actually but it reminds me again of what the insurance and reinsurance industry have decided for health effects of electromagnetic fields yeah leave it we don't touch it at all, you know. Yeah, Just leave it to the governments and parliaments in the future. They will have to deal with all the health demands, sorry, the economic demands for health effects. Right, you know? and, and the people that are allowed to be in positions running the telecom companies, they are all ones that 
they're in this different mentality. It's like, just look at the return to shareholders and, of course, my salary. Yeah. Yeah. And as long as that's safe, say whatever you have to say. Yeah. Right. And, you know, the manufacturers, they are very smart. After this meeting 2002, mm-hmm. they used five years, but probably five million man years. Uh-huh. Think about how they will protect themselves. And right. then from 2007, if you read the instruction manual up in this famous cloud, you yeah. will realize it says in English and in other languages that at any time you have to have this gadget at least one inch away from your body. Practically, that means that you can buy like a cell phone in its cardboard box. Yeah. But you can never touch it. Right. I totally agree. Yeah. And That's so smart, you know, because when you get the brain tumor, you yeah. file a complaint at the court of law. And then, of course, the opponent, the manufacturer will just ask you, well, which hand did you actually use for the cell phone? Well, it was mostly the right hand, you will say. But we told you, you have to keep it an inch away from your body. Right, yeah, and your hand is actually part of your body, right? Yeah, and the brain, and the head, and so on. So, very smart. And just again saying, no, you don't take any responsibility for this, but you have a government and parliament using your taxpayers' money to Uh pay you back, maybe. Right, Uh, yeah, most of the people don't get compensated at all. No, of course not. I mean... And, so and everything the, is declared safe and effective, right? Yeah. So, I mean, again, um, when you start overturning these stones, the things that crawl out, they are surprising, to say the least, you know. I know. And it's emotionally, I think, too difficult for most people to really look yeah. at them. Yeah. Because if that were true, and yeah. we've got evil infiltrating positions of power, especially yeah. when they realize it's above the concern for money, it's yeah. way beyond that. Then, you know, I had, then yeah, what else I, is true? Yeah. I had a very good example along those lines in March, April last year. I was traveling in Stockholm, one of the commute trains, and there was a very posh lady sitting there. And since no one knows who I am, I always take the um, possibility and the opportunity to kind of put the mental seed into the soil. So I turned to her and said, oh, I see you have one of these modern smartphones. Do you know that the World Health Organization in Geneva in Switzerland has cancer classified the radiation coming from your device? And she went ballistic, you know, and (laughs) turned to me and yelled at me and said that I was just an idiot. I didn't yeah. know what I was talking about. I should yeah. mind my own business and go to hell, basically, you know. And I said, right. stop, stop, stop. I mean, you have one of these smartphones. Please Google WHO, cell phones, brain tumors, please. Yeah. Yeah. And actually she did and went silent for two, three minutes. Yeah. And then she, slowly she turned to me and said, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. It's all here. Uh, but now I get pissed again, she said, not at you, but at my own government and parliament. You see, I'm not only a mother, I'm also a grandmother. And just a week ago, I gave my 12-year-old granddaughter a new cell phone, and now I regret it. Yeah, 
And, and she I was one of the unusually open-minded ones. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was, I was really sort of no, stop, 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 you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, she, um, she did her lesson there in homework. What happened later on, I don't know, because I had to leave the train at a certain station. But mm-hmm. again, I felt that okay, a new small seed is mental spring. Maybe it will grow to a big tree. I think every one of those grows. It's just a question of when, you know, but they're not wasted. No. But it brings up the larger issue. I mean, you've really pointed out that here's an example of a type of technology that either is misused, you know, without the necessary shielding and all that, or it's intentionally used for harm. And the system that's in place that people trust in government and corporations working together is working to harm people. And so how do we fix it? <laughs> oh, wow. And, and also don't forget, you know, I would also love to see um, integrity shield, if you call it like that, because all these gadgets also um, remove information from your private sphere and mm-hmm. enter it into this corporate sphere where it's used for different purposes. Right. And I would like to see a lot more of shielding in that way. Um, but coming to solutions, I mentioned this switch in Japanese cars. That's one thing, of course. Yeah. Uh, soon in Poland, there will be released a low radiation cell phone from a company called Mudita. And the telephone is called Mudita Pure. Very interesting. Maybe could solve some of these health issues. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, and then uh, also here in Sweden, there is a very interesting company called RP, standing for Radiation Protection, and the whole name is RP of Sweden. And if you look at it on the internet, I think it's RP of Sweden as one word dot com, and okay. they have cases for Wi-Fi routers for. And baby alarm for tablets and cell phones. Uh, and these cases, uh, they make the cell phone very shockproof to begin with. Uh, in their ads, they even run them over with a two and a half ton Rolls Royce. And yeah. it doesn't harm the cell phone at all. Uh, and then, um, um, but the major thing is that it reduces the radiation exposure to order of 70 to 99% without impairing connectivity or battery time. That's and a big talking, that's a Yeah, big we are talking cover. about a case that would cost, um, well, like um, $30, $40. It's really nothing. Yeah. Uh, you, you order it on the internet. Uh, and uh, I think that's uh, kind of a start to at least bring that, down. Doesn't the it seem kind of counterintuitive that you could block the radiation and not the connectivity? Uh, it works very well because, as you know, um, the exposures that we have in society, they are on a, an extreme overdrive. So even if you take away a major proportion, what mm-hmm. is left is enough for connectivity I and see. for the okay. battery time. And very importantly, they have not done these tests themselves. They have been completely independently done in okay. our neighboring country, Finland, at uh-huh. a company called Verkotan, and they are world leaders on radiation measurements, working for the big 
fives, you know, like yeah. Huawei and uh, Nokia and whatever. And right. so, I mean, they know what they are doing. So it works very elegantly. And as I wow. say, for 30, 40 US dollars, that's at least a start. And then, of course, and that's uh, RP of Sweden. Uh, RP of Sweden. Yeah. On it. So if anyone is interested, just to order over the internet and right. try it out. And then there are similar um, uh, companies with the other types of products. Uh, more uh, general, you can shield your bed uh, side, for instance, uh, using one of these canopies, uh, reducing the microwaves down to practically zero. And you have paint, you can paint your walls with as a shield, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Those um, canopies but, are Faraday cages, basically. Yes, right? exactly. Okay. Um, and very well-functioning, but pretty expensive, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and, and again, what you should do if you buy a canopy, uh, you should, of course, measure. And the simplest way to measure is to have your cell phone bring it in because it shouldn't work yeah, inside exactly. of a canopy. If it does, then something is wrong, you know. So Yeah, yeah. So the, it sounds like there needs to be a catalog of all the good materials that could cut down exposure. Yes, actually, um, I, I will not uh, reveal too much, but one person is doing such a catalog right now, uh, so hopefully soon it will be out. But okay. I cannot reveal more than that. Yeah, because right now you have to trust the individual company because each catalog is normally from just one supplier. Exactly. And, you know, most, I'm sorry to say, most of the companies out there, they provide more snake oil than reality. I know. Uh, so you need to be cautious and, uh, and check out. And one way of checking it out, which I always use, is to call them or email them and ask for independent replications yeah. by other research units in the world being published in scientific journals, proving what they claim in their ads. And the, the you know, only problem with that is that I've talked to a lot of those journals, and some of them are under orders not to publish certain things. Yeah, but I would then not buy anything. Not not buy anything from what? From that particular company. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm talking about a, a journal, though. And oh, sorry. The yeah, journal but journals will publish. Uh, if you have an independent investigation showing that, yeah, this um, shield actually works. And for a few companies, I would actually say less than five, and uh, uh -huh. they have such documentation, uh, which they haven't done themselves, but others have done it. Mm -hmm. And they can send it uh, immediately to you. Right. Uh, the rest of the companies will say, mm, well, we, we are doing research, but it's not ready or blah, 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 blah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, no, don't buy anything from such companies because they don't have anything to show you. Right. When they do, then you can go back to them. And it's really important link in the chain to take the data that is reliable yeah. and somehow get it out to the people. Yeah. Because and, the main. I want, I want to tell all of your viewers and listeners that 
if someone says that a metallic rod on the wall or a sticker on your phone or a uh-huh. gadget in your socket will change, harmonize, remove, reduce radiation, that's a complete snake oil. Um, yeah, you know, maybe yeah. actually an insult to some good snake oils. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Indeed. <clears throat> so there, there are all kinds of fields in this remediation, you know, subject. I guess that are not being really investigated. One of which we just talked to an incredible investigator in uh, Bosnia who works with pyramids. Okay. And the, the ancient pyramid structures have transmitting and receiving qualities that have been measured and shown. Not that they're understood very much, but certain types of them in small models, he has been testing them in front of uh, radiating devices like laptops and things with a meter, and they've been cutting down transmission. Yeah. So. Yeah. If anyone is open to investigating that further, it suggests some very unconventional but powerful and free to operate because they're not plugged into the wall. Yeah. You know, no, actually, we were approached uh, by some gentlemen who wanted to do studies along those lines, uh-huh. but we were completely unable to get money to begin with to do yeah, any yeah. studies. Yeah, uh, but also after some pilot investigations done by themselves, they were unable to provide any form of reliable proofs, and eventually they sort mm-hmm. of swam away. You know, so but we are still very much open to this, and that also includes an extremely interesting field, namely frequency medicine. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Uh, studies there, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I th- I think there needs to be a better network of communication and awareness between the people who are actually looking into these things from a sincere point of view. Yeah. And share information. And you know, Richard, I hate in Sweden we say that you sit and roll your thumbs. I hate doing that, you know. I don't want to roll my thumbs. I want to work. I want to study these things because I think for instance in frequency medicine and the kind of reports I've read and the people I've met, mm-hmm. there is something very, very powerful to be learned from them. But yeah. you need to you know you know need to dress it in an accepted academic format. And that's my um that's my addition to the field. I could do that. You could do that, yeah. So yeah. you need to be in touch with the right people for that. Yeah. Who are generating the data. Yeah. Maybe help them know what experiments to do to get better data and that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, in, in academic science, the golden standard is what is called a controlled study mm-hmm. being done in an independent fashion. Yeah. And in those simple words lies the whole cookbook of uh, medical and biomedical science. Right. And uh, actually, they are very easy to follow and they just need the economic support you need to pay people their salaries and you need yeah. to buy chemicals and test tubes and mice and rats and whatnot mm-hmm. and, uh, to really be able to do this and also to have patients and relatives and normal healthy volunteers coming to you right uh, but the moment we can get our hands on that kind of support 
Uh, we would love to do studies. So we have yeah. some fascinating uh, of, projects. You know. One of the big elements of solving this overarching issue, you know, of evil controlling the direction of development research and things like that, is we need to get money connected with good causes. Yeah, yeah. Instead of working to destroy the world. Yeah. I noticed that in your bio it says that you... I think fairly recently, if I got it right, retired from the Institute, right? Yeah. So what are you mostly doing since that time? (laughs) Well, I retired in 2017, and I thought I would park myself on a park bench with Mm -hmm. some bread crumbles in a paper bag Uh and feed the pigeons. But, Uh you know, the phone and the email is constantly calling for me. So until... Uh, the beginning of 2020, I was traveling the world, giving lectures all over in every corner of the planet, right. and also appearing in documentaries, in videos, in interviews, in articles, etc. Uh, yeah. And I'm still doing it, but now it's electronic on Zoom and Skype virtual. and whatnot. Yeah. And okay. so that's what I do very much. But at the same time, uh, we try to collaborate with different people around the world that still has like a laboratory or or whatever and provide from our shelves. You know, we have so many projects and we send them and say, Hey, this is something you should look into. And we tell them that we can help them as uh, mental supporters to come up with this controlled experiment because uh, you cannot leave to chance any confounders that will ruin the outcome. You need right. to be academically very accurate. And that's my trade. I mean, I was trained at the Karolinska Institute as well as at the Royal Institute of Technology to yeah. perform science according to the scientific cookbook. So that's what I can do. So if you were to com- find the right connections to combine that with sources of real studies that need to be done that have amazing implications. For example, demonstrating free energy devices, which have been well, well proven, and the inventors killed mostly. Things like that to somehow get it out. Yeah. Ways of telecom devices with no harmful radiation. Uh, You know, that could be some really good research. Indeed. Yes, indeed. So, no, I agree to 100% with you. So, sources of money and sources of the beginnings of good studies yeah. would be good to be in touch with, right? Yeah. So, if, pe- if people have either one of those, is there a way to reach you? Of course. I mean, they could contact either you and you relay it to me or sure. they write directly to me. Uh, and my email address is Ulle, that's O-L-L-E dot Johansson, which is J-O-H-A-N-S-S-O-N, directly followed by the numbers 500 at gmail.com. So I think I was completely mispronouncing your, your first and your last no. name. No, 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 you didn't. I mean, you... I would say, no, that was perfect. No, that was perfect. Tell me again the right pronunciation slowly. Well, 
you know, you, you cannot really arrive at the right because you need to put yourself in a Swedish mode. And that means a severe depression. And <laughs> then say, yeah. And then you say, Ole Johansson. You need to sort of on a downbeat, you know, Ole Johansson. Okay. So <laughs> if you feel really depressed enough, you can say it exactly right. Exactly. Then you can talk Swedish, okay. you know. <laughs> we have excellent drugs that'll take care of that for us. Right? Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, and what do you, I guess for the future, what you would like to see happening is what we've been talking about. You, you're a researcher and you'd like to continue being active in that with, with really good projects that get funded. Yeah. And also, I mean, I don't mind if uh, some young people in a garage in California now today starts to invent tomorrow's green human and environmental friendly technology and become billionaires. I would love to see that. And especially if they sit in a garage in Sweden, of course, because then we would all profit from it. Uh, But it needs to be done, you know, and needs to be thought about in different ways. And uh, as I said, there are solutions coming along, uh, some um, small and some big. So I think we will see a lot more things in the coming year and years, definitely. Is there, besides your email address, is there any kind of website you'd recommend? Or uh, are you on platforms like YouTube with videos or... Anything well, there is a huge amount of YouTube videos with me, and you just search for my name. Okay. Uh, but I don't have any sort of website or anything like that. But if people email me, I could send them like a short CV and uh, short yeah. summaries and specific papers if they are interested to read about uh, the bacteria, for instance, we okay. talk about. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think what you're talking about is the idea of bringing back real science. Yeah, which is and something that was the way I was trained, you know. And as I said, it was very important because I could see close up uh, great scientists, some of which became Nobel Prize winners, uh-huh. how they performed their very smart studies. And often, you know, and particularly when you look on Nobel Prizes, mm-hmm. you are surprised over the simplicity. Right. Uh, it's so simple, but someone needs to say, ah, E equals MC squared. Yeah. Someone needs not, to do it, you know. It's not complex, but it's deep. No. Yeah, and, it's very, very deep, but not complex. It has implications in the real world that people live in. Yeah, yeah. It's not just, a, you know, some really esoteric thing that no. you can't connect to. Yeah. So. And then, of course, some of the Nobel laureates also were... I would say very lucky. They worked very hard, but yeah. they arrived at a certain cross point just in time to realize that, ah, this is it. So, right. Yeah. And you know, there are a lot of things on YouTube, which it should be a warning that they're not censored, but yeah. they, they proclaim the existence of all these amazing technologies. Yeah. Though most of them, are totally made up and not true. Yeah. Uh, but the real ones do exist. And yeah. you, you can tell that they've got the seal of approval because they get attacked. Mm. And, and they've also been demonstrated. There, there was a demonstration in the United States by a man that's well-known now. Well, he's not alive anymore because he tried to sell his technology to the government as a, to buy the patent. But he drove a car all over the U.S. on water. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That was the fuel. You may have yeah. heard. 
Yeah. And a dune buggy, I believe. Yeah. And he said, wow, I could make hundreds of billions of dollars, which he should have been allowed to do, but that was his downfall. And the government called him up and said, you know, you're right. We need to buy your patent. You're going to be super rich. And he said, oh, I know you guys, you know, we have to meet in a public place. And they said, (laughs) rats, you know, you figured us out. We'll meet you in a restaurant. And they did. And they poisoned him and took everything that he had. So, but there, I don't mean to be fatalistic about that. Just that's the, you know what chess puzzles are in the newspaper that they used to come every morning and three moves. Here's where the pieces are. Yeah. Three moves to win the game. What, what are the three moves? Yeah. The chess puzzle is what we've been talking about. Yeah. And we just have to come up with the three moves so that all these technologies are done right and exposed and funded. Yeah. And as we said before, I am sure that at least one or two of these moves have already been performed by the industry. Yeah. Well, you're saying by the industry and then they were hidden? They they know. uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, we shouldn't go because it's like with the uh, buggy and the water as fuel, that would leave another sect devoid of their income. So a, they, a really big sector. It's called oil. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they, and you know, often I get this odd feeling, gut feeling that, hmm, do they know already the outcome? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And they guard it very carefully. Yeah. And I think that and maybe, maybe you and I would do the same if our whole identity as billionaires relied on this kind of a lie and maybe we'll do the same. I don't know. Well, I that's agree. a really important question. And, yeah. you know, a lot of the philosophical and religious groups have decided that money creates evil. Yeah. And I've decided they're wrong. That well, if, I hope if, you're right. <laughs> if you, yeah. it's a consciousness issue. Yeah. And if, if you, you know, all of us go through Lots of stuff in our lives where we do really stupid things that are destructive and self-destructive and all that. But eventually you get to a point where you learn that doing anything negative to anybody else, you're doing it to yourself. Yeah. And, and anything positive, you're doing it to yourself. Yeah. So at that point, I don't think money can make you do anything bad. No, no. You know, maybe fear, but not, not greed because you realize at the end of that road is total destruction. Yeah. So it's not a good, not a good path. No. And I, no, I think that's, that, that's very, very clever words. Thank you. Well, I, I, that's what it feels like to me. Yeah. You know, I don't think money is the root of all evil. I think it's the unconsciousness that sets us up to be tricked by those things. Yeah. And if you get that back, everybody's potentially got it. Even the bad guys that are above the money levels doing this for evil itself, they have a choice and they yeah. could, they could change. Yeah. Underneath I their believe. programming is the same thing as yeah. in us. So I invite them. I mean, if there are people watching our production to censor it and things like that, I'm, you know, just letting them know you guys could do something better. Yeah. It's wide open and it's better to do it. Before it's too late, it's really a yeah. lot smarter. Yeah, I agree. So I hope everybody 
hears and wants to support you and talk to you about how far they've taken things and that they need scientific input. I think that's a common situation. Indeed, yes. You know, so we need to get everybody together. And maybe, you know, in the future, you'd be open to doing another chapter with us. Absolutely. That would be a great honor. Thank you. I would love, I would really like that. Um, is there anything that you've written that people could read if they're not extremely scientifically literate? You oh, know, yes. That- I have written quite a number, actually, of what I would say general layman's uh, commentaries. And, okay. And, uh, yeah, if people are interested, they could send me their email address. And okay. I will learn a few papers which they could start with. And okay. they're also good introductions to the more complicated ones. Great, great. A place to start. And yeah. if they want to find you on YouTube, it's just under your name, right? Yes. Yes. I'm trying to be really depressed when I say it, but <laughs> Ole, is it Johansson? Johansson. 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 Okay, the Americans don't know how to say it. They say <laughs> Johansson. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like most people say Ollie Johnson. Johnson, that's even worse yeah. than, than yeah, I was Ollie doing. Johnson, but that's fine. You know, I have no prestige. They could call me whatever they want to. Right. The important the- thing is to arrive at the end station, which for me spells health and safety. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So they could look O L L E. J-O-H-A-N-S-S-O-N on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Right? And just enter that name and they'll find it all. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's exciting. So I, w- I want to point out, I don't think the future has to be dark at no, all. It's where we're starting. Yeah. But it's it's not where we're going. No. And I there agree. Are lots of great people are there to help us. So, okay, well... Thank you all. And, um, Thank you very much. Hold on, and we'll say goodbye in the break here. Okay, you guys, there goes Ollie. I I'm not saying this right. In the English-American way, it's Ollie Johansson. But that's completely wrong, as we found out during this show. And I'm probably not going to be depressed enough to say it correctly, but it's something like Ollie Johansson. Anyway, that's closer. And I thought he's an incredible guest, and we, we're having more of these guests now who, who show there are different kinds of intelligence. You know, there, there's intelligence of the higher-level rulers that are trying to destroy everything. Some of them are very smart on on one level. But then you meet people like Ole, who um, are obviously super intelligent, but they act, they actually care about it what happens to everybody and making the best use of their lives and all these inspiring things. And I thought it was really a privilege to have him come on the show, you know, not just because he's world famous and uh, one of the premier experts on the damage from EMF radiation, but he's a great person, you know, and I, people have told me that, but now I see what they mean. We need more as many. Well, I think it, I think most people have the potential to be like that, and we just haven't been reminded that that's part of the point, you know, of being here. It's not just to show how brilliant we are while we do all these stupid and destructive things. It's to actually, like like he said, you know, become conscious, self-aware while we still have time. Especially right now, I think it's really important so that 
um, what's being done to humanity can be reversed. So I don't think people would go along with the fake agendas if we were awake. So that's like top priority, seems like to me. Anyway, um, this is the first guest in a while that I can't give you a website for. But he says he's got numerous videos on YouTube uh, under his name, Ole Johansson, spelled O-L-L-E-J-O-H-A-N-S-S-O-N. Lots of them on YouTube and other major platforms like that. And um, during the show, he did mention his email, but he's just one guy with no staff. Probably best to uh, comment on the videos or something or or write to him in a really brief form if you've got some kind of uh, technology that maybe is human-friendly and uh, you want to let him know about ollie.johansson500 at gmail. But keep it really short, you know, because he needs to be able to have time to see his family and go out for walks and visit the animals and things that he likes to do. Anyway, we're going to talk to more people like that. Hopefully we'll be able to give them some exposure. They're, they're really smart people who also are human. And I think that's a good combination to encourage. Um, and I'd like to have Ollie back on too, because he's got a lot more to say. And what he shared today was super valuable, I think. So anyway, um, what else do I want to tell you? This was a Sunday show. We have a Saturday show, 4.30 Pacific, 7.30 Eastern U.S. time, which is about current events and hopefully relevant perspectives that will actually help you in your understanding of what's the environment and what things we can do about it to make things better. And it's followed half an hour after the end of that show with a meet, live meeting every week of Planetary Healing Club, and you have access to that through planetaryhealingclub.com. And that's where we go deeper into all of these things, all aspects of health and consciousness and relevant world events when necessary and all the stuff that I've been working on, you know, in the, from the health science point of view for the last... 55 years or so and we can talk about that openly and you can suggest topics and there's feedback in the form of an ongoing live chat we're, we're trying to start something in a completely different direction and not just you know I don't even see any point in knowing all about the bad things that are happening in the world if you just leave it there it's you know this the, the strategic awareness is only valuable if you have solutions or you're willing to work on solutions. And that's what we're doing, you know, specifically in Planetary Healing Club. So if you get interested in that, you want to join us, planetaryhealingclub.com. And if you have the resources to support us and you think what we're doing might be worth it, then um, we have donate buttons on lostartsradio.com and lostartsresearchinstitute.org and a Subscribestar channel at subscribestar.com slash lostartsradio. We're also on many platforms now like Brighteon and BitChute and Brand New Tube, and we're going to expand 
try to stay on the major ones as long as we can. But remember that we're on all these others and stay in touch with us on lostartsradio.com because that'll, that'll tell you where we're, uh, where we can be found. There's a lot of news articles and other things on lostartsradio.com too. So take advantage of that. It's all free. And I think that's about it. So main thing is thanks for caring about the future of humanity and the world and all the life forms here and, uh, Take good care of yourself because it starts with changing your own internal state. That leads to everything else. It's like this massive, you know, in vast expanse of environment hidden behind this little tiny curtain. And you're not the ordinary, helpless, weak, dependent person that you're supposed to believe you are. It's just the opposite. The biggest secret that the rulers have to keep away from us until they're finished. You know, destroying everything good is who we are. So that's good guidance. It means first priority, find that out in real experience, not just a belief about something, but find out and see where that can go. We've got unlimited potential. So thanks for being with us. I really appreciate you very much. This show is uh, just to try to help you, hopefully. And Planetary Healing Club is there if you want to take it further. Have a good rest of the weekend and um, stay in touch. You can always send in comments, questions, suggestions, anything you want to do to communicate to us that you want us to know about. And we'll look at all of it. So thanks for being here. And we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Talk to you soon. Introducing Lost Arts Radio on Subscribestar.com. Just go to subscribestar.com slash lostartsradio to find our rewards program offering 10 different giving levels starting at just 5 bucks a month. We offer incredible value for any rewards level, from extra monthly interview videos not available publicly to subscription-based Planetary Healing Club videos once, twice, or three times a month to private counseling sessions with Lost Arts Radio host Richard Sachs, to tech help with me, Doug Diamond. We even have one option where you can be the star on Lost Arts Radio as our guest on a specially produced show just for you. We conduct an interview with you and broadcast it to our growing network and listenership. Our subscribe star levels are one of a kind and offer great rewards for any budget. Please help support Lost Arts Radio. We can't do it without you. With increasing censorship on many of our channels, we really need your support today to keep doing what we're doing. As Richard says, we're not even at survival level yet. Lost Arts Radio has three weekly shows. Lost Arts Radio Live each Saturday night at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, which is a live stream currently on multiple platforms in case we get banned from some of the larger ones. Right now, we're on two YouTube channels, Facebook Live, Periscope, which is Twitter, Twitch, and DLive. You can access these broadcasts by going to www.lostartsradio.com live for all the links to those channels. The Planetary Healing Club meets right after Lost Arts Radio Live at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Saturday nights. And our Sunday show with guests airs at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Sunday nights on our Blog Talk Radio channel, our YouTube channels, Facebook pages, and on Brideon. Be sure to sign up for our free email list just in case we do get banned on big tech's platforms. It's just a matter of time, really. 
They don't like the stuff we talk about, and they do not want the truth out there. In fact, they have already attacked us numerous times. Join our free email list so we can let you know where we are and how to access our shows. The sign-up button is right on the top right on most pages of our website. The best starting point for all things Lost Arts Radio is our main site, lostartsradio.com, where you can find the hottest news selection videos that we curate just for you. Those are on the homepage and added to daily, as well as articles and breaking news about information you really need to know. Our show archives, the 10 most recent shows, are right on our homepage, as well as our Blog Talk Radio page at blogtalkradio.com slash lostartsradio, or just click the All Things Radio Show tab right on our website. We're in the podcast directory on iTunes, and all of our shows except the band ones are on our YouTube channels at Lost Arts Radio and at Diamond Disc. Our Brideon page is really taking off, and we often have editors' picks videos right on their homepage. Visit Brideon.com slash channel slash Lost Arts Radio. On our site, you can also access our free listener forum as well as sign up for the Planetary Healing Club, which is just $25 a month where you get private access to a one-on-one interaction with host Richard Sachs and myself and the other club members who participate live. More info can be found at planetaryhealingclub.com. We're providing solutions in there to make the world a better place. Come join us. Stay tuned because up next, you'll get to hear a really great song by an independent artist that we're doing our best to support. Go to lostartsradio.com slash music for the full list of all the great songs and bands that we spin on our audio-only podcast shows. If you're in a band and want to submit a song for consideration for airplay on Lost Arts Radio, visit my website at diamonddiscaudio.com for more information about the music placement, mastering, and mixing work that I do. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Lost Arts Radio. We love having you as part of our family to learn, experience, and grow with. Leave your fear of the unknown And leave the planet you call home Leave all the thoughts you think you know It's time to let them go Let it go Extend your hands towards the stars And dip your toes in the valley of Mars Celestial storm in my backyard And the universe explodes Let's see how fast our hearts can go Cause you and I could be that comet in the sky If we hold our breath, take a leap and close our eyes We could fly, I believe if we try We could fly dark days disappear I see the water running clear plans of fate are washed away washed away frozen stardust crystal caves 
toppling tower cityscapes Is this a dream or are we awake? Hand in hand through outer space Time stands still for us today Cause you and I could be that comet in the sky If we hold our breath, take a leap and close our eyes We could fly, I believe if we try We could fly, like the heroes in the sky We could fly Cause you and I could be that comet in the sky If we hold our breath, take a leap and close our eyes We could fly, I believe if we try We could fly, like the heroes in the sky We could fly